Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intelligence, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us. Well, we have a fun show today for you. We're going to talk about design and construction. And look, there's been a, a lot of new development, new construction going on. And some people are concerned maybe we're overbuilding in some markets. And some people are seeing, especially if you're a user occupier space, maybe we're not building enough. So we're going to talk to some experts in the field and see what's going on in design and construction today. Please welcome my first guest. It's Kermit Baker. He's chief economist with AIA, American Institute of Architects. He's joining us on the phone from Cambridge, Massachusetts today. Thanks for joining us, Kermit. Michael, a pleasure to be here with you. Well, we appreciate it. You know, one of the things that seems interesting about architecture is you guys track the, the billings there, right? And it seems like the amount of billings that architects are doing could you know, let us know maybe what's going to happen moving down the road with the economy and construction and new supply. So, so what are your trends on billings for your members these days? Sure, Michael. And let me let me uh, let me just explain to our listeners here a little bit about what this Billings Index is. I think to put yeah. in perspective. So we survey architecture firms every month, and we ask them about revenue that they're generating at their firm or Billings, and that is a, a really solid measure of design activity that's happening in our economy. And we've we've been doing this for over 20 years now, and we've compared it to uh, eventual construction activity, and we found out two things, really. One, uh, no surprise, uh, design activity leads construction activity. Might have expected that. But what we were really looking at is to get a sense of the timing of it. And in the 20 years we've been running this, the pattern is really very similar, that design activity leads construction activity by 9 to 12 months. So if you know what's going on at architecture firms now, you're going to have a very good sense as to what's going on in the broader construction industry in almost a year in advance. The trends are January and February numbers that we've gotten for 2016 have been fairly weak. We index our billings information around 50, so any score above 50 means it's growing. Any any score below 50 indic- uh, indicates it's declining. Uh, the number for January was 49.6, just a little bit off from the prior month. Uh, it bounced back very modestly in February to an index score of 50.3. So, you know, very modest growth. And really over the last six, seven months, Michael, we've seen our billings index start to slow down a little bit in terms of its growth. Uh, still generally positive months are much more routinely positive and negative, but we're starting to see numbers closer to 50 rather than the mid or mid or upper 50s. And that suggests that design activity in the non-residential sector does seem to be slowing down a little bit. So I think we're going to see that reflected in the construction sector as we move through 2016 and into 2017. I see. So what were some of those numbers in 2015? How, how much slower is it? Well, the first half of the year, we were seeing numbers routinely in the 52, 53, 54 range. And those are healthy numbers. The strongest numbers we've seen since we've been conducting this survey is around 60 or so, Michael, to kind of put that in perspective. So a 60 would really be roaring. So a 52, 53, 54 would be good, healthy growth, probably akin to kind of uh, 8 10% growth in construction spending. Once we get in the lower 50s, you're talking about low single-digit growth in, 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 in construction activity. And that's probably the phase that we're going to be moving into in many sectors as we get later into 2016 and into 2017. Well, it does seem that the construction lending has it's gotten a little tougher out there. And so based on your numbers and what you're seeing with your members, you think that uh, may be slowing down construction moving ahead in 16 and uh, 17 then? 
Yeah, I think that certainly that's what architecture firms are telling that. I think that's what other market indicators are telling uh, telling us too. You know, commercial property values have been extremely high, and I think that there is the sense that they can't continue to accelerate at the pace they have been. And with the Federal Reserve beginning to tighten short-term rates again, that that's probably going to pull down some of these property values and I think begin to reduce some of the uh, uh, investment incentive in those sorts of construction activities. Okay. We're talking with Kermit Baker. He's chief economist with AIA, American Institute of Architects. And Kermit, so you mentioned that some of the sectors are slowing down. What do you see there for the various sectors? I know the apartment market certainly has been a lot of construction. I assume that is that starting to slow down a little? Yeah, I think construction would be the uh, head of the list, Michael, that that's been an extremely strong market for really the last three or four years. We've seen very, very strong growth, and it looks like there's a growing number of markets that just really can't uh, absorb too much more additional space. Hotel market has been very hot. That's beginning to slow down, too. Office market has been not quite as strong, probably has a little more growth in it, but not as much as we've seen in recent years. And, and retail uh, has been sort of the laggard to date, and that still may have a, you know, a bit more uh, momentum behind it. We'll see. But that looks to be the one that's uh, uh, not quite as overbuilt in some of the key markets as, as some of the other commercial sectors. Okay. And your architect members, uh, they're always looking at construction costs. They're having to deal with that every day. So what do you guys see there? Are construction costs still elevating? You know, it's, it's a real mixed bag and kind of confusing. So we have very different story, uh, Michael, between the labor side of the picture and the material side. There's a, um, a huge construction concern over construction labor shortages. I would say that's probably the number one concern in the construction industry these days, that a lot of the folks that worked in construction during the heyday eight or ten years ago have either retired or left the industry. And so very difficult to uh, get new construction workers. And, and as a result of that, we've started to see some increase in construction labor costs. And I think we're going to see more going forward, coupled with the fact that until we solve that problem, uh, you know, we're going to see uh, some capacity limits in terms of how much construction actually can occur. Uh, the material side is much more complicated and not nearly as consistent. So we're seeing uh, prices of uh, some products begin to edge up again. We're seeing that in cement and concrete, glass, even some of the metals that have been declining in price look like they've begun to flip around over the last couple months and maybe heading back up again. Obviously, anything related to uh, oil prices, so, you know, plastics, asphalt, well down from where it was uh, a couple years ago, obviously, with the drop in oil prices. So, you know, on net, we're not seeing an awful lot of inflation in construction costs, but I think a lot of nervousness that those could begin to inflate again. You know, the, the market, certain sectors have been strong, and so we may have spot material problems, and we clearly have a uh, impending uh, serious problem on the labor front, too, and getting enough construction labor to meet demand. Well, and that seems to be a really big deal, no matter what type of uh, part of the economy you're in or type of uh, real estate you're dealing with. We all have some construction to deal with. So is anyone trying to solve the problem of the labor? You know, what is the construction industry doing to, to rectify that situation? Well, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a great question, and, and, and I think it's finally gotten their attention, but, but it has been, uh, you know, we were a little late getting off the dime here. So, you know, there's really three things I need, uh, you know, I think we need to do long-term. I mean, uh, short-term, 
you know, what we're seeing com- some companies doing is, is uh, do a little more on-the-job training in terms of skills training. Uh, we're seeing some spot uh, compensation increases. But, but longer term, I think it, uh, you know, it needs to fall in three areas uh, and, and not a quick fix. I think all of these are going to take a while to implement. Number one is immigration. Um, you know, the construction industry, probably more than any industry in our economy, has um, relied very heavily on immigrant labor. And uh, those numbers are down. Uh, those numbers are down uh, for several reasons. Um, there, there looks to be a bit of a, a hostile immigration environment. I think that's not helping anything, but I think just in general, um, uh, we're not seeing as much labor uh, come in, for example, from Mexico, which has uh, traditionally been a very uh, huge source of uh, construction labor. Uh, num- number two is, is training and apprenticeship. Um, the programs that we had set up, freestanding apprenticeship programs, uh, programs run uh, in voc tech schools or, or local community colleges, uh, largely were, or a disproportionate number, were shut down during the uh, uh, construction downturn. Um, and, you know, we need to uh, regenerate those programs, but they do take time. And some of them are getting back up and running again, but, uh, uh, you know, they're not there yet. And, and until they, we get there, we're going to have... Uh, a, a problem attracting enough, and, and and the third is is really reflecting the the demographics of our workforce. Uh, a great example, I think, is that uh, women are about fifty percent of the U.S. workforce. They're about two and a half percent of the construction uh, workforce. Uh, so we need to figure out a way to attract more women into the construction industry. Um, and for a lot of women, I think it's, it's just viewed as not a uh, or, or kind of a, a, a less than hospitable uh, industry to go into. Um, we, we really need to change that perception very quickly if we're going to attract the, the labor force we need moving forward. Well, that's a good idea. And then we can get my wife out of the house and get her uh, doing some construction work. I get, need to get out there laying bricks and pouring some concrete. <laughs> then that'll give you more time out in the golf course too, Michael, right? <laughs> that's exactly. Well, Kermit, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being on the show. Good talking to you. Thank you. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on design and construction. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by CCIM Institute, Commercial Real Estate's global standard for professional achievement. Visit CCIM.com slash CRE show. That's CCIM.com slash CRE show. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us. Today we're talking about design and construction. Please welcome my next guest, Jennifer Wilkerson. She's Director of Marketing and Public Relations for NCCER. And if you've never heard of that, maybe you're not in the construction business, but it's the National Center for Construction, Education, and Research. She's joining us on the phone. Jennifer, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. Well, we appreciate it. And uh, how about labor shortage? That seems to be the area where the cost has really picked up, hasn't it? It really has. I mean, you know, we've heard predictions, you know, from the construction labor market analyzer saying that 1.5 million new skilled craft professionals will be needed by 2019. And the reason this is affected is because um, the average age of your construction craft professional, when we're talking about um, an electrician, a welder, an HVAC technician, we're talking about they're between the ages of 48 and 50. 
Mm-hmm. So we're looking at in the next five years, on, on top of that being the average age, we're also looking at about a 20% retirement rate coming up in the construction industry. And so that affects these skilled craft professionals. We've had a period of time where we're not seeing as many young people go into these skilled professions. And because of that, we don't really have the pipeline of talent built for all these jobs and projects that are going on. And what is your organization and what's the industry as, as a whole doing about that? Are there, are there some initiatives to try to, to create more people in the labor force in uh, uh, construction? Yes, yes. And, and a lot of people, I can tell you, we go to meetings all the time, and this is one of the topics that are at the top of the list. So several things. Um, Build Your Future is one of our initiatives. There's a lot of initiatives around the United States that are recruitment and image enhancement that are trying to get out there and talk to schools, whether it's high schools, middle schools, to let kids, young people, displaced workers, people that aren't, um, you know, have maybe a degree that they're not being able to utilize, that construction offers great career opportunities. We have career progression that you can start out learning on your tools. You can earn as you learn where there's programs, whether it's a two-year community college, a technical college, or it's an industry program and people can earn some money, learn the skills that they need, the knowledge they need, and then progress up to, you know, a journey-level craft professional and then a supervisor, foreman, supervisor. You get into these positions, and we see people that start in their tools that are later the CEO of a large commercial or industrial construction firm. Right, and these the income uh, of these folks is, might be a little higher than some people think, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Each year in CCR, we actually send out a salary survey to the firms that we work with and and are in our network, and we have been so surprised over the past few years, we published these results on our website at what the salaries are. And I'll tell you, I go and speak to schools all the time and have students, teachers, parents that are totally surprised whenever we're talking about mobile crane operator, average salary without per diem or overtime, $65,000. When we're talking about power generation technician, $70,000. Welder combo, $70,000. And these, again, those are just average salaries without, you know, the construction industry offers, typically it's not a 40-hour week, and the overtime that's available and the pay for people to travel and the benefits I don't think people realize that construction offers all of that. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, where are some good opportunities where there's a shortage, where somebody wanted to get into the to the industry or maybe move from one sector to the other where there might be some higher pay and some uh, more, uh, more work? Well, I think anybody that, um, you know, if they've already done a little bit in the industry, whether it's... Um, residential or maybe they, you know, maybe you even took some classes in school and you thought, you know, I really like, uh, even even let's talk about, so radios and stuff. You like tinkering with radios. A lot of people don't understand electronic systems technicians and instrumentation techs. Those are, when we have all these facilities, we have to be able to maintain them. And we need people in those facilities that work in maintenance. And we have this very, uh, different idea of what maintenance is. For me, I'm thinking maintenance, high tech, people that understand valve systems, people that understand pressure, people that are going in there and doing very specific technical work, and they are working on iPads, and they are working on equipment in that sense. So I think those are areas for people to look at, and if they haven't had any interest or any introduction into construction, 
there's still jobs available. The training that's out there in the construction industry is absolutely available to, to all people, anyone that wants to give it a try and see what it's about. Right. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of opportunities in that industry, and and we need more people in the industry, as you said, uh, in the construction and the commercial real estate world. We're certainly seeing uh, a labor shortage, and it's impacting uh, businesses everywhere. Well, we're going to take a short break and stay tuned. We're going to have some tips for working with contractors. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions. Call 800-408-2855 or visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. We're talking about construction today on the Commercial Real Estate Show. My guest is Jennifer Wilkerson, as she is with NCCER. And uh, Jennifer, you talked a little bit about some of the technology out there, and it seems like uh, technology, there's an app for everything, right? <laughs> that technology is really impacting most every industry. What do you see in yours? Absolutely. And I mentioned this a little bit before. I think there's a misconception that construction, people have the idea that maybe what they see simply on the side of the road with someone digging a ditch or doing that, that that's the extent of the technology when really, I mean, even if we look at the equipment that's used now to, quote, dig ditches on the side of the road, you look inside of it, it almost looks like a video console. It looks like someone's playing a video game. We're talking about crane operators and heavy equipment operators, along with, as I mentioned, doing maintenance and plants and stuff. But it has come a long way, and they are things that I think if people had the opportunity to see how technology is really um, weaved into the fabric of construction, they would be quite surprised. Yeah, that's great. So then my son might be interested in construction then if it's like a video (laughs) game, right? There you go, exactly. (laughs) Well, uh, can you share some tips for choosing and, and working with contractors? Sure. One of the things, you know, that, that we always say that's important, so anytime anything is getting ready to be built, it's all about productivity, right? It's about, you know, your time, your cost, the talent that's there. So it's really important when you're working with a contractor, as far as industrial perspective, is that you're looking at people that are hiring skilled professionals that do have credentials. Are you working with a contractor that is either doing training programs themselves, or are they making sure that the people they hire are at a competency level that's going to make the project be a safe one and be in a productive one? Because we know that in order for there to be a safe project, there has to be trained people on that site. When there's inexperienced people that have not really been trained, uh, both knowledge and performance-wise, then we're due to injuries, we're due to um, productivity going down, and we're doing, you know, overruns. Then we're looking at costs and stuff. So I think the training and the certified uh, professional skilled workforce is really probably the crucial things I would say with contractors. Okay. And so if I'm hiring someone to um, build out my office space or uh, do an addition to, to my building, what sort of things might I look for? Are there some uh, accreditations? Uh, you know, how could I make sure? And I know with the labor shortage, I think some of these contractors are having trouble, you know, even finding subs. So how might I get that assurance that there's going to be great, good people that know what they're doing uh, on my job site? 
So there's a, there's a couple things. You know, one of the things as uh, NCCR is involved in the industry because we do uh, develop industry-recognized uh, training materials, books, and stuff that go along with credentialing. We have a very standardized process with that. We also have what's known as the Contractors Workforce Development Assessment. And this assessment allows contractors, subs, um, different sizes, it doesn't matter what size, to answer some questions that help owners evaluate how much of this, this particular contractor's workforce is certified, how much are they putting into training. And so it does, it can give them a picture of the safety and the productivity. So again, like I said, asking for certifica certifications, asking for credentials, looking at some of the tools like uh, the con contractor's workforce development assessment and using that up front before hiring the contractors. And is this assessment available to the public? Um, it is. There is a website, CWDA, so there is a contractor's workforce development assessment work website. It's more for contractors and owners, so someone that's actually starting a project and they want to evaluate and get an analysis of some of the subcontractors and contractors they're wanting to hire. But anybody can go on the website and read all about it see what it's about, even get a gist of what are the questions that are involved in this. Right, and that way you'll kind of know what to ask and know what to look for, right? Exactly, yes. Are there any other trends in the uh, construction industry that uh, are, are interesting today? Um, I would just say, you know, from our standpoint, because we deal with education also, is just the resurgence and, in uh, career and technical education that in industrial and commercial construction, I would think, would be the same. We're real happy about that we're seeing the trend that industry and education are starting to come back together, that schools are mo much more receptive to having industry representatives on their advisory councils because they know, you know, in a community college, even in a high school, if they're going to have students that are going to be successful and become skilled professionals, they need to have industry linkage. So they need to have someone that's going to hire these students and that's going to foster that learning above and beyond the walls of education. So I think one of the things I'm really excited about is just seeing that trend that uh, career and technical education is coming back to our schools and industry is stepping up and wanting to be involved in that process. That's great. Well, Jennifer, thanks for joining us. If you'd like more information, visit nccer.org. Stay with us. We'll have more on design and construction. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about design and we're talking about construction and the commercial real estate arena. Please welcome my next guest, Dean McCormick. Dean is president of Construction Owners Association of America. Some people may hear it referred to as COA. Dean, thanks for joining us today. Glad to be here, Michael. Well, Gene, first of all, to get us started, tell us briefly about COA. What do you guys do? You know, COA is an organization of, that's focused on how to be an owner in the construction industry. One of our, our core tenets is that, you know, an owner is, is not just someone that writes the check. The owner has to be an engaged and involved player 
in the process. The property it, owner. The property owner in the process, and it needs to be just is just as important to the process as the architect or the constructor. So we were actually started by uh, an, an attorney in Atlanta who uh, who realized that he had lots of clients that were coming to him with problems and realized that there was really no form or no organization where they could talk to each other. So he gathered some of his clients together, put them in a room, and uh, that's the birth of COA was putting owners together, giving them an opportunity to talk about the issues they faced and work through them together. That's cool. So those are owners of properties and owners of construction companies, both? Really, our membership is focused on on owners of properties. And um, although we do have uh, owners of construction companies as associate members, okay. um, our, our membership has tended to move more towards the public owners, um, something that we would really like to see diversify a little bit, bit more. I think we found that... Uh, Public owners are a little more free to share their strategies, their uh, their uh, their methods than maybe private owners who are competing with each other directly. Yeah. Well, it's interesting uh, group because you know a lot of our clients that uh, own properties and development properties, I'll see them. You know, they're studying uh, electrical, and they're studying plumbing, and they're studying uh, lots of things because they need to know about construction to be able to deal with their contractors. So, do you guys offer some sort of training as well for for principals? Yeah, we have um, one of our, um, our our really key initiatives is what we call the Owner Training Institute. It's a um, it's a set of owner training courses um, that are focused on both overall project management, overall construction management, and then we get you know into specific delivery methods, whether that's CM at risk, um, design build, and then we we also go into specific elements of the process, whether that's cost management, schedule management, et cetera. We try to provide a, a, a good diverse set of training courses that are available to owners. That's fantastic. And if uh, if you're not driving, uh, you want to look up their website, it's coa.org, coa.org. And, uh, you know, one of the things that's on the minds of uh, our listeners uh, today is uh, construction cost and, and labor costs. What are you guys seeing uh, around the country there related to uh, increases in those costs? Well, it's an interesting question. I think, um, one, uh, there's, there's quite a bit of regional variation when you look at those costs. Um, you know, I, I'm located in the Midwest, um, and uh, while a year ago we were using six uh, percent is an escalation factor on an annual basis I think we've seen a little bit of cooling in that and um, the people that I tend to listen to for those things are, are looking at three to four percent uh, increase this year uh, but a lot of regional variations a lot of, there's, there's hot spots and cold spots in the country still so yeah well it seems like there's a lot of opportunities you know if uh, if labor is one of the the major cost increases right Labor is a component of that, especially in areas where there are experienced workforce shortages. What would you say to folks who are thinking about construction industry as a vocation? It seems like there's a lot of demand uh, in the construction world. You know, there's a lot of demand in the construction world. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's a profession or a, uh, a, an industry that people should be looking into. And we, and we need just about everybody in the industry. You know, I, you know, between 2006 and, and 
2012, we saw a significant decrease in, in construction volume as the country went through the recession. Uh, I think what one of the things that's interesting right now is that, you know, overall construction volume has recovered uh, by and large to, uh, to the pre-recession levels. But right now we're, we're doing that with a, with a much smaller workforce. Um, you know, the fact is that a lot of people left the workforce uh, during the recession and uh, have not come back. Some of that is the aging workforce, the retired retirements, but we aren't seeing young people get into the industry like they did. And I think, you know, I think construction has suffered, suffered from an image issue yeah. a little bit. It, right. it isn't viewed as a profession by some people, but it really is. And I, I'm telling you whether you want to be an architect or a or an engineer, or you whether you want to be a carpenter or a plumber, there's lots of opportunities, and those opportunities fit a lot of people in the industry, male, female, um, skilled or unskilled. There's lots of opportunities. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good point. And I certainly know a lot of great people in the construction industry, and uh, seems like all the ones I know make tremendous amounts of money. And they're so in demand. I mean, uh, you know, they can travel all around the country and, and get work anywhere. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and also your wife really likes you then, right? Because she knows you're handy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those home improvement projects, if you have time to do them. That's right. What I do is... Actually, that- it's, it's great to see young people. I've seen so many young people that have come in at a, at a low level as an entry-level electrician. And uh, the opportunities for them to grow, and it's just tremendously rewarding to see those people grow and yeah. become real professionals in the industry. Well, good point. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on design and construction, including tips for working with contractors. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Commercial Search. To market or source commercial properties for sale or lease all over the country, visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today we're talking about design and construction. My guest is Dean McCormick. He's president of Construction Owners Association of America. And pretty soon we're going to share some tips with you for working with contractors, which is one of the great uh, benefits that uh, COA offers. But first, uh, I'd like to ask you, Dean, about technology. Uh, It seems like technology is impacting uh, every industry today. How about construction? yeah, technology is impacting construction. You know, construction has been one of the uh, one of the industries where technology has been slow to really have an impact on productivity. But uh, today's construction trailer isn't your dad's construction trailer <laughs> anymore. You're more likely to see um, computer monitors, uh, smart boards, and uh, and large screen TVs, and you will see a set of paper plans. Um, you know, uh, building information modeling. Um, is is driving all kinds of things the ability to build a building in the computer before you build it with bricks and mortar is is becoming increasingly important and it's it's adding to our industry in many ways um the ability to to reduce tolerances and to enable prefabrication off-site and have it come to the job and fit in like a glove is just critical yeah it's really avoiding some of those unknowns that uh, we had before bim right it is. You know, I love 
walking onto a site where BIM has been done to its its fullest potential, and uh, it, everything just looks like it's where it's supposed to be. You don't have the jogs around uh, an unexpected condition. So, and BIM also en- enables, as an owner at a major university, it also enables our ability to turn over a project effectively to our operations folks and have them have a set of documents that they're carrying around now on a phone or a smart uh, a smart board or put it on a tablet and have that information available to them. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think uh, if you haven't looked into BIM and you're listening to the show, check it out. I mean, if you go the full BIM uh, package, it can really help you operate your property for for the less the rest of its life and uh, make things a lot easier. Well, and we also uh, promised we would uh, leave some tips uh, for our listeners and viewers about working with contractors. Yeah, well, I think, you know, when I look at at how to be most effective in delivering our projects, I think um, in this day and age, getting your builder, your constructor involved as early as possible in the process as as you can is just just critical. Um, You know, not to be the designer, but to be a resource for the designer, to look at constructability, to bring tools like BIM and clash detection to the team. I think the uh, the design professionals that work on our projects these days have come to rely on that level of expertise, and um, contractors have become an important element of the design process. Yeah, they have, and 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 you mentioned again, including uh, BIM in the early stages. We'll have some uh, links to some information about BIM and some images if you're watching the video, you're, you're seeing them. But if you're in the car, uh, don't go to your phone right now. Uh, but the other uh, benefit, I guess, from um, when you said you're visiting job sites that are using BIM, you don't see subcontractors in fistfights, right? They <laughs> no, in fact, uh, you know, if you can get them in the trailer and using lean construction techniques and giving um, the guys that are in the field actually doing the work say and how that looks, it's, it's again. It's really rewarding to see a highly tuned team working on a, a construction project. And I think if I looked at what really makes our project successful is when you've got that team all marching together towards towards a defined set of goals. You're going to have a successful project. Uh, good advice, Dean. Well, Dean McCormick, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you being on the show. Appreciate you having me, Michael. All right. If you'd like more information from them, visit COA, C-O-O-A dot org. Uh, also visit CREshow.com. We'll have some links to some more information. Be sure and join us next week. We'll do a show on office occupier and investor strategies. It should be very interesting. So until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by CCIM Institute, commercial real estate's global standard for professional achievement. Visit ccim.com slash CRE show. Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit CommercialSearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.